Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one foundational page of Talmud each day. And today's pages, Gitin 73 and 74, bring everything back home. Have a listen. With regard to the redemption of houses, in walled cities, we learned elsewhere in a Mishnah that if a house was sold and not redeemed by its owners within 12 months, it remains permanently in the possession of the purchaser. The Gemara describes this. At first, the purchaser would hide for all the final day of the 12th month so that the house would be confirmed as his. Because the purchaser was in hiding, the seller would be unable to redeem the house from him. Hill the Elder instituted an ordinance whereby the seller may deposit his redemption money in the temple treasury chamber, and then he may break the door of his house and enter and take possession. And when that purchaser wishes, he should come and take his money from the temple treasury. It is real estate shenanigans like this that have kept me for years from even trying to enter the real estate game, especially here in New York where I live, where the real estate game is a real contact sport. But recently, I have to tell you, my dear friend and teacher, Scott Harris, is is beginning to, you know, work his magic on me. He is, you know, New York slash the world's greatest real estate agent, but he is so much more than that. He's a philosopher king who believes real estate is um it's a form of soul craft, truly. Do I have this right, Scott? Well, first, Leo, thanks for having me back. It's so much fun to talk real estate in this context. Yes, real estate and the, and the pursuit of real estate, I have found to be a spiritual pursuit. And I don't shy away from that word. I think that it, uh, it, gets, it gets scoffed at, but, but people don't realize how their, their hunt for real estate ultimately is a search for self. And nowhere is it more true than in this passage, because as soon as you start saying, here we go, there are no backseas in real estate, guys. You know, they, this, this idea of, of being able to, uh, to have this. I always thought, by the way, that buyer's remorse was really the thing. But then I started asking and looking around. And, and in my experience, there are definitely situations when sellers have remorse. And it's not just the one that got away from people, but it's this idea of people who regret it's this idea of regretting every decision that they make in this this level of indecision. And I think that gets to a much deeper thing than real estate. So even just listening to you talk, I think people who are, you know, maybe thinking about this for the first time said, okay, but you know, let's let's not make it more than it is. Sure, some remorse. This is this is transactional, right? It's just about a house. You buy and sell, maybe you get a good deal, a better deal, whatever. But is it really soulful? Does it really belong in the hallowed pages of the Talmud? If the idea was flipped, here it's this idea. I, I, when I, I looked into it a little bit, it's kind of this idea of fundamentally the Talmud's talking about how can you be a fairer person to one another, right? And real estate is the way that we think about it is that it is transactional. I think that it's this, the notion of New York City is this big place where everything's anonymous. And having sold real estate in New York for 20 years, I've seen the absolute worst behavior <laughs> that you can imagine. And at the same time, you know, there's this quote that I always seem to mess up from Notting Hill when, when Julia Roberts says, you know, I'm just a girl, you know, standing in front of a boy, hoping that he'll 
hoping that he'll love right, him. Asking love him her. to love her. You right. know, <laughs> that is the level of vulnerability that every buyer has to undertake. And it is so scary. And in this passage, you're thinking, well, I'm opening my heart and this home that I'm going to love and live in and raise my families. And then all of a sudden the seller can change his mind on the 12th. It's like, oh my God, what a crazy situation. I think it's a different time when people didn't move from city to city. You know, the only person who seems to have moved, you know, this is so lechi lach, right? Like this land I'm going to show you. Not everybody left to go find the land that they were going to be shown. Most people stayed where they were. Right. And so Avram seems, couldn't, couldn't hire movers. There, there were no movers back then. Yeah, it just seems like it was a time when things stayed very much the same. And so you didn't move homes. You know, and, and so this idea, I think, was like the only people who sold their house were the people who were under some duress that were under this financial. It was almost like you were bringing your house to the pawnbroker. You know what I mean? And like you just had to, you had to be able to get it back when you finally you had a decent harvest that year or something like that. So you use words like vulnerable, heartbreak, the super, super, super emotional language. And really, this is something that you taught me that that I had no kind of real, you know, insight uh, into uh, before, which is how the place that we live in completely non-obvious ways is about so much more than just like, well, you know, I have some good memories and it suits my needs and it, you know, is convenient and maybe I'm a bit sentimental. It really is kind of a way for us to uh, to look inwards, right, and and to to ask ourselves as we're buying and selling real estate. What is it that we are truly looking for, which is another way of asking, who are we really? Well, I, I just tried to put myself in the shoes of a seller and the home that they had created, and then they had to sell for some financial reason, and their hearts were absolutely torn out of their chest because of it. And this place that was home forever, you know, so to speak, for generations. And all of a sudden, it's it's like all their family ever knew. I mean, it's not just the home of your parents. It's the home of, you know, as far back as you know. And it becomes even more, even bigger than what we're talking about, which is kind of this individual's journey, which I, I think is absolutely a hero's journey. You're in this home and it speaks to you. And if you really let yourself open up, you're going to find this home that really allows you, it's a, it's a launching pad for your life, which is kind of the personal journey. But in, in the case of the Talmud here, it's like, it's not just about you, Liel, it's about something so much bigger. And so in this case, I guess if you kind of zoom out on this chapter in Leviticus, it's like the Jubilee year. It's like this reset button where, you know, all of a sudden everything is, is back to where it should be. And so this, I, it's almost like selling your home is this complete outlier that once you found your home, you're not supposed to sell it because it's so fundamental to your life and what you're trying to do in this world. So I, I think it's, I think this Talmud passage really does take a really big swing at it and look at, at home as being the absolute most critical thing there is. Scott Harris, I am not ready to put a down payment on an apartment, <laughs> but I am ready to say thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. I love being here.
This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, then you're going to enjoy our brand new Take One newsletter even more. Each week, you'll get an extra shot of Talmudic wisdom straight to your inbox. And for those who sign up before Tractate Gittin ends, we'll be raffling off some Take One swag. So make sure to subscribe at tabletm.ag slash Take One newsletter. As always, please go rate and review Take One on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And you could get your Take One t-shirts, mugs, and other amazing form of swag at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramuccia, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.dafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.